This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Good morning, everybody. And I'm saying good morning because it is morning for me. So I don't know when you're listening to this. If it's afternoon, good afternoon. If it's evening, good evening. If it's the middle of the night and you're feeding your baby, keep going. You're doing a great job. My hope for you tomorrow is really strong coffee and a sleeping baby. I'm recording this in my home office and there are people playing tag outside my window and they keep screaming and yelling and it's making my dogs bark and I'm very irritated. But anyways, that's just the way it's going to be. If you hear my dogs bark, I'm sorry. A few days ago, I posted on my Instagram stories asking what you guys wanted me to talk about today and someone said that they loved the episode on attachment and they wanted me to talk about something else psychological that I learned about in school. So because I love defense mechanisms and I'm trained in coding defense mechanisms using this specific scale, I thought I would talk about defenses. It's fascinating because every single person uses defense mechanisms, so it's not like this is only applicable to certain people. We all use them. There are defenses that are healthy or adaptive, and then there are defenses that are not healthy and are more like neurotic, obsessional, um, and just not high-functioning. So throughout the day, I'm sure all of us are using different defenses in all these different situations. And typically it's not, you know, like we'll use, maybe there's one that we go to most often. For example, I use humor a lot. It's just like my whole family does. Um, Humor is a high functioning defense mechanism. But for example, if you are going through something major and you're not um, addressing it and you're just constantly using humor to avoid what's actually going on, then it can become kind of maladaptive. The reason I love defense mechanisms and thought the training in it was just so interesting is because I started to notice them in myself and in other people all the time. And this is what happened with all my training in these certain things. So I was trained to code attachment and defense mechanisms and then reflective functioning. They're all like three totally different things. And you're so immersed in those concepts when you're doing the training that that's all you can pick up. Like I would see people, I'd be taking the bus or something and I would be listening to a mom interact with her child and I'd be like, oh, like picking out the different things. I would dream about it. In attachment, we would code things using colors and I would dream about colors and like making marks on paper. So I am kind of happy to review these defense mechanisms today as well because it's kind of like brushing up on stuff that I already know and I just think it's so interesting. So a little bit about the training. We were a group that we were all doing the training together and we were all going to be coding transcripts for the same study. So all of us that were being trained had to eventually be reliable with each other 
other in the coding. So we learned all about defense mechanisms. We did a bunch of practice coding, um, like learning really in depth about each defense mechanism, what it looks like, how people use it. We watched um, a lot of therapy videos and, you know, stopped the videos in the training and would talk about the different defenses and whatnot. So it was a, a long process, lots of group meetings. And then after the training, we went and coded our own transcripts with a partner. And then we would check the reliability between the two coders. So I would code three transcripts, someone else would code the same three transcripts, and then we would compare our codes together. And we did that multiple times with all different partners to make sure we were all on the same page. And then we were able to code all the transcripts for a specific study and publish papers on it. So we were specifically coding attachment interviews, and my supervisor was a part of this or he ran actually a massive trial on psychotherapy for women with binge eating disorder. I believe that's what it was. Like, I feel like I don't even remember and it wasn't even that long ago. But anyways, we, they would do attachment interviews throughout the course of therapy. And then we were looking at all kinds of things, um, in those transcripts. So what what was their defense mechanism? Like what did it look like at the beginning of therapy? What did it look like in the middle of therapy? What did it look like at the end of therapy? Did it have any relationship with, you know, outcomes, with attachment, all kinds of stuff like that. Like there's when you run a big trial like this, there's so many research papers that can come out of it because there's so many different things to look at. Okay, so let's get into it. There's quite a few defenses that I want to briefly go over. I'll probably spend more time on some than others because some are probably more prevalent, uh, especially in moms. I want to talk about the difference between some. Uh, So yeah, let's get into it. First of all, I will just say that defense mechanisms are psychological strategies to protect a person from anxiety, uncomfortable feelings, or thoughts. They are typically unconscious. I hate that word. I can't say it. So what that means is you may be doing them or someone else, like they're doing these things to kind of reduce anxiety or an uncomfortable feeling or emotion and they may not really realize that they're doing it or they might realize that they're doing it but not understand why. So what I found is that after learning about defense mechanisms and really diving deep into them, I started to be able to be more self-aware when I was using them and then think like, hmm, like I just did that. Why did I do that? Why is that making me feel uncomfortable? So it is super interesting and and hopefully you start to recognize these things in your everyday life after listening to this episode. So I will start with the more adaptive defense mechanisms, meaning that they are healthier defense mechanisms to use. I will just go down the list here. So these are the ones that I was trained to code. So number one is affiliation. So when someone deals with emotional issues by reaching out to others for help or support. So when you reach out to someone else for emotional support or for advice, whatever it might be, your attachment needs are also being met and you are improving your ability to cope with whatever is going on. And if you can think of a time where you were going through something and you talked to someone about it, you probably noticed that as soon as you verbalized what you were going through to someone else that you're close to, um, that you have 
a secure attachment uh, relationship with that you instantly felt better. I know that that's the case for me. Like for example, when I was struggling with postpartum anxiety, as soon as I verbalized it to my family and to my husband what was going on, I instantly felt better. Like, okay, it's out in the open. I'm okay. Second high adaptive defense mechanism is altruism. So you have an emotional issue or a stressor and you deal with that by fulfilling the needs of others. This one, for some reason, just reading that makes me think about moms. Uh, So in altruism, there also might be a direct reward for the person that is doing the altruistic behavior. So you're doing things for other people, but there may be self-interest there as well. So if somebody went through something really difficult in their life, let's say addiction, um, and then they recover, Part of what they would do to continue to feel good about the addiction or things that they struggle with would be to, let's say, become an addictions counselor. So that's an example of altruism. So you're helping others, but at the same time, it benefits you as well. Third high functioning defense mechanism is anticipation. So if somebody knows that they are going to be in a situation that is going to cause them stress or anxiety, they kind of do like a rehearsal in their mind, like they're anticipating that event and what they're going to do and how they're going to get through it and so on and so forth. So that one's pretty straightforward. Self-assertion is another high adaptive defense, and it is basically when you directly express your, you know, anxiety or your distress or your wishes for a specific situation. It doesn't necessarily mean that you get the outcome that you want, but just the ability to express yourself and say what your needs are, what you want relieves that tension and anxiety or uncomfortable feeling that you might have if you just keep everything inside. That makes me think about setting boundaries. So there's lots of content on TikTok or Instagram about setting boundaries and that self-assertion kind of makes me think about setting boundaries. My favorite defense, humor. So this is a high adaptive um, defense and it's basically when you have like emotions or stressors or anxiety, you're going through a difficult time, you emphasize the funny aspect of what's going on. So this is literally what I did in quarantine with Milo. I would make funny TikToks about struggles that I was going through that I think most parents were going through. And it really worked because we would be going through a really difficult uh, situation, like I would be super stressed out. And then I would look at it from someone else's perspective, like look at what is actually going on. Like there's pureed food all over the walls. Milo's running around naked. Like it was just really funny But it took a little bit of effort to kind of pull myself out of the stressful, stressfulness, if that's a word, of the situation and look at it from, you know, like this is actually kind of funny and I'm going to laugh about this tomorrow. And an important thing with humor is that you're still getting out your emotions or what you're struggling with. Like you're still communicating it, but it's in an entertaining or amusing way. 
Self-observation is basically reflecting on your own thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors. This reminds me of reflective functioning. It's basically like self-understanding. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there, and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. 
The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Sublimation is when you have, let's say, anger or stress or something, but then you are able to express it in a socially acceptable setting. So an example that's often referred to is sports. So you are stressed out, you go and play a wicked game of basketball and you do some dunks. I just, I don't know why I said that. So basically you're able to express yourself, but in a an acceptable way. Okay, the last high adaptive defense is suppression. So you are able to suppress whatever you're feeling and hold off on dealing with it or talking about it or, you know, really thinking about it too much until you have a better opportunity like to bring it up. So you can kind of put something aside until there's a more appropriate time to deal with it or talk about it, whatever it might be. So for example, if I'm like, you know, with Milo in the grocery store and I get some terrible text message from a friend who is calling me names and I don't know, I'm this is a dumb example, but... I'm not going to then like break down crying in the grocery store and like start throwing things off shelves. Like, no, I'm going to continue my little shopping adventure with my child. And then when we get home and he's playing with his father, I will go into a room or by myself and deal with it then. So that's kind of a crappy example, but that's kind of what that means. All right. So now we are moving down the little hierarchy and we're into the neurotic obsessional defenses. It sounds bad, but I mean, I do these ones all the time too. Intellectualization. So you take your emotions or the you know, internal or external issues that are going on and you completely generalize what's going on or you kind of remove the emotional piece from it. So you're removing the problem from yourself. You're not making it a personal thing. You're generalizing it and making it impersonal. And although you're still understanding what's going on, like it's in your conscious mind, you're not, you're detaching yourself from it. Doing this makes you minimize what is actually going on. Let's say someone is having issues with their sibling. I say this because I am deep into Real Housewives of New Jersey and I am just fascinated by Joe and Teresa's relationship. But anyways, let's see, let's say somebody is 
fighting with their sibling and it's really upsetting them. They're anxious. They're having trouble sleeping, blah, blah, blah. So if they're confronted about this, let's say by a therapist or by a friend, whatever, they'll respond with, yeah, but siblings fight all the time. You weren't getting along with your sister last year. Everybody goes through phases like this in their life. So do you get my point here? It's like they detach themselves from it instead of being like, yes, this is really upsetting me when we fight. I feel this way. And like they're pushing it away and just talking about it in general terms. So that is intellectualization. Another one of my favorite defenses is undoing. And this one I see moms do all the time. So this happens when somebody expresses their feelings or their struggle, their anxiety, whatever it might be, and then it causes uncomfortable feelings within themselves or they feel guilty, they feel like they're going to be judged, whatever it might be, and then they try and minimize what they just said by saying the opposite thing or giving like an opposite emotion. So really, they're contradicting themselves and I moms do this all the time because we feel like we can't complain. We cannot have any kind of negative thought or be honest about things that are difficult. Like we can't. No, you have to tie it up at the end with a positive and something that makes it seem like you're just living your best life. An example I always give is, oh, like, you know, my son hasn't been sleeping through the night for months and I'm exhausted and it's giving me a really low mood and I just can't function throughout the day. I'm not feeling like myself. But you know what? I really can't complain because all those extra snuggles that we're getting is just so worth it. Like what? No, no, it's not. So the reason, I mean, it makes perfect sense why we do this all the time because we feel such judgment and we have this pressure on ourselves that everybody expects us to be like, this is the absolute best time of our life. Like it is just rainbows. And so when we say something like that, we instantly get our guard up because we're like, "Uh uh-oh, that is not what society expects from me. That is not what, you know, I've been told from people before me and in the movies and in TV shows and on social media, I should be feeling and experiencing motherhood in a different way. So we instantly just turn it around in the moment. It's fascinating that something like this works that quickly in the moment. We say something, we like decide to be honest and open, and then in the moment we feel uncomfortable and wrap it up with a positive. It's so funny and the reason I started really thinking about this is because a few months ago I was watching Sarah's stories, the birds birds papaya, and she had said something along the lines of like Lemmy was crying a lot or she wasn't sleeping. I forget what the what the issue was, but she would always talk about it or write a message about it in her stories and then put LOL at the end of it. And she caught herself and she asked people like, why do we always do this? Like we share something difficult or something that is actually upsetting to us in real life, but then we put LOL at the end of it. And so I messaged her and I was like, this is classic undoing. Like it's a defense mechanism because you're uncomfortable sharing what, you know, what is actually going on or 
feeling like you're complaining as a mom with a newborn. So anyways, she responded and she was like, oh my God. And it is. And then so I started thinking about this more and I was like, I need to talk about defense mechanisms because we use them so often. Okay, so continuing down the hierarchy, now we're in neurotic neurotic defenses, which are the next level down. So there's four here. I think I'm going to go through these four and then I am going to do the rest because there's quite a few more um, next week. Okay, so repression. Now in the high adaptive defenses, I talked about suppression and that was the example of when you're experiencing something, you're super anxious or having some kind of emotion, but you're not in a spot where you can address it or act on it. So you kind of suppress it and then you wait until you're in a proper situation and then you deal with it or do what you need to do. So you're basically putting the feeling or the emotion, the anxiety, whatever it is, out of conscious, conscience, I hate these words, until you're better able to deal with it. So Repression is different in that you are completely repressing it with no intention of ever dealing with it. And you're trying to, you well, you are subconsciously just keeping it out of awareness. So it's protecting the person from being aware of what is actually going on. So the emotions that you're experiencing or something that you may have experienced in the past. So the person may be experiencing the emotion. So let's say anxiety or anger, um, whatever it might be, but the cognitive awareness of why that's happening or like the the um, experience that caused these emotions is kept out of awareness, if that makes sense. This is seen a lot in therapy when people break down and start crying, but they're not aware of why all these emotions are coming up. Um, Or people, you know, when it's a very high emotional topic that they're talking about, they forget what they're saying or what they're talking about. Um, They have short answers. They don't know. Like they're very unaware of why they feel a certain way because they have repressed things dissociation is the next one and that is basically an alteration in consciousness so the subject might be aware that something unusual takes place when they are in situations that are very high stress high anxiety or are talking about a certain thing Um, but they feel that it's too threatening it's too you know conflict ridden or anxiety provoking So they keep it out of their awareness and don't necessarily acknowledge it. And so they dissociate to ultimately feel less threatened. So dissociation can be like daydreaming, um, having an out-of-body experience, you feel like you're a different person, or you're emotionally numb or detached from what's going on. Next up is reaction formation. Super interesting. So this is when people deal with high conflict, high stress, emotional things by substituting what they want to do, like the behavior, thoughts, or feelings that they want to address this issue with, but they substitute it with something that they think is more acceptable. 
They're basically taking feelings or emotions or behaviors that they want to feel or do or whatever, and they're replacing it with something that they think is more socially acceptable or morally acceptable. So somebody who never says anything bad about anybody, even if, you know, a negative response to a person might be what seems appropriate for the situation. They deny things to themselves that they really want. So for example, if that is like a loving relationship, you know, someone might be like, oh, like, I don't want to get a partner. I don't, you know, I don't want to have to answer to somebody when really they want that. But that feeling of wanting something and maybe it's fearing rejection or fearing not being able to have a loving relationship. Instead, they change it to, I don't want that. Like that, you know, that seems terrible. And that kind of keeps the desire that they do want a relationship out of their awareness and replaces it with like, no, I actually don't want that. Like that sounds terrible to me. I'm giving certain examples for defenses, but there are lots of different ways that they can manifest or that like what they would look like. But I'm just giving examples quickly off the top of my head so that you can kind of understand what it would look like. But there's other ways that these defenses show up. Okay, I am going to end on displacement, which I do all the time. And this is a neurotic defense mechanism. You know, one time in grad school, I was in class and I forget what the class was on, but I remember the professor telling me we were talking about like neuroticism and all this different stuff. And I remember her telling me in front of the whole class that I like, she's like, you would probably score pretty high on neurotic, like neuroticism. And I was like, oh, okay. I just embrace it now. Like, that's fine. So displacement is redirecting a feeling or, you know, a response to an object on a less threatening object. So I'm going to give the example of people. For example, and I've talked about this before on Instagram, a lot of moms or parents probably do this. If you are in a super stressful situation with your child and your emotions, you know, you're starting to get ragey and you're starting to get anxiety and feel super stressed out, a lot of the times I won't take it out or react towards Milo. I try and stay super calm. I try and do, you know, everything that you're supposed to do in that situation and talk to him and wait it out. But on the inside, I am like boiling up and getting super frustrated. Then my husband walks in and, you know, doesn't wash Milo's face the way that I want him to. And I like snap, like I make this like, like reaction, which I normally wouldn't, but I'm already in this internal state of like being super stressed out. So I don't react in those ways towards Milo because I know that it's not a good thing to do. It's going to make him more stressed out. He's going to react and then, you know, we're both going to be just like crying and a mess. So my husband is a safer target for me to 
let that little reaction go and get that stress out. So he ends up getting it. And because I'm so self-aware when it comes to things like this, I will catch myself right away. And I can literally snap at my husband and then be like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm just really stressed out. And he gets that because we talk about things like that, things like this all the time, or I do, he listens. But my voice is starting to give out. It's a good thing I'm a podcaster. Yeah, so displacement is, you know, it's neurotic, but hey, it's something that it happens. I'm sure we all do it, but if we can start to be a little bit more self-aware of when we do it, like that's all you can really ask for, right? You can also think about people that have, you know, a super stressful day at work, but they can't necessarily um, react towards their coworkers or towards their boss. So they come home and they're in a bad mood and they take it out on their family. Like that's another common example. Well, that's it for today. I didn't know I would talk so much, but there are quite a few defenses. I'm about, I'm almost halfway down the hierarchy, so I will save the rest of the defenses for next Thursday's episode. I'll, it'll be Defense Mechanisms 102, let's say, because this is 101. So I hope you guys learned something. I hope you are able to recognize these defenses in yourself. If you do and you're like, oh my God, I do this all the time. Oh my God, my husband does this or whatever, message me on Instagram because I'm super interested about it. Or even on the podcast Instagram account, when they put up the post for this episode, tell me in the comments, like what, which one you really resonated with, which one you think that you do most often. Uh, because yeah, it's super interesting and we all do it. So it's nothing to be ashamed of. At the end of the day, there's healthy defenses and then there's not healthy defenses. Next week, I'm going to get into the more unhealthy defenses. So if you find yourself doing unhealthy ones, maybe you can listen back to the first episode and try utilizing some of the more healthy defense mechanisms. Defense mechanisms are exactly what it sounds like. They protect us from these uncomfortable feelings, but it's good to be self-aware and use the more high-functioning defenses. So that is it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please follow, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Can you subscribe on Spotify? Follow the Instagram account at the Mom Room Podcast. My personal account is on Instagram at the.mom.room and TikTok under the same handle. If you haven't checked out the momroomshop.com, go check it out. There is so much cool merch. I want to order it all, but I'm pacing myself. In the next month or so, I am going to launch a toddler line of t-shirts, so stay tuned for that. I have so many good ideas. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And I hope you guys sleep tonight. No, I hope your children sleep tonight. But if your children sleep tonight, then you, as a result, will probably also sleep. So let's just, I hope everybody sleeps. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? 
He came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. <laughs> well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship yeah, topics. like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us come out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. Ha <laughs> <laughs>